The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. So if you've got a Bible, please turn there now, Acts chapter 4. Follow along with me, please, as we read from Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 13. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it but in order that it may spread no further among the people. Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. The name of our message this morning, the title, is The Name That Divides. I can think of two names that divide today in our world. Donald Trump, Israel Folau. These names have meaning. They're more than just 11 letters organized in a particular way to make a particular sound. These names identify particular people. They identify their character traits, what they stand for, what authority they might have. And with these names, we can choose to either go to one side or the other. We can side with what they believe or against what they believe. Or we can choose to ignore them and not get involved in any discussions around their controversy, the controversies related to them. We can seek to sit on the fence or to grab a middle ground. Jesus is also a name, <coughs> excuse me, a name that divides. The name of Jesus has been dividing people for 2,000 years. And his name is also more than just a group of letters organized in a particular way to make a particular sound. The name of Jesus refers to a particular person. 
They refer to his identity, his character traits, his authority. But unlike Trump or Folau, Jesus is actually the name that truly divides because there is no middle ground with Jesus. You cannot just ignore him. To ignore him is to reject him. You either side with him or you are opposed. And the choice you make in relation to Jesus will affect your life. Either he will control your life or you will. Either your life represents Jesus or you are just representing yourself. It leads us to the idea that our passage brings out today. The idea that accepting Jesus' authority means living as his witness. Our passage today has sort of landed us where Peter and John are in front of the the rulers of Israel, the, the council there. And they're in this situation because of a miraculous healing of a man born blind, uh, born lame. We see that back in chapter 3 of Acts. You might remember uh, from a a song from your childhood the, the words and the healing of this man. Peter says to him, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you'll continue singing the next line of that song in your heads, I'm sure. He went walking and leaping and praising God. The result of this miracle is that thousands more people believe in the name of Jesus. They repent. They accept his authority over their lives. They receive salvation that is found in him. The result is also that Peter and John are arrested and brought before the rulers of Israel. The same men that Jesus stood before on many occasions. And before these heavyweights of the nation of Israel, Peter stands and he says, Jesus did this. Let's look at what he says to them back in the section just before our passage this morning. Acts chapter 4 verse 7. And when they had set them, that is Peter and John, in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to you, uh, to all of you, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must 
of vice with an undeniable proof. We see in verse 13 that they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They, they realized, that, oh, these, these guys are from Galilee. They're not educated rabbis. And they, drew the, they joined the dots. These guys have been with Jesus. They saw the lame man standing in their presence. It says, seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, we cannot deny it. These verses are making clear to us that the, the rulers understood exactly what these miracles pointed to. This proof before them is comparable to the proof that we see in Acts 2 and that we saw in Acts 3 with this lame man's healing. The powerful act of Jesus is once again accompanied by the powerful message of Jesus. We can see that this passage links with the former ones. The words saw, perceived, recognized, show us not only that they knew exactly what was going on, but there is, there's links back to chapter 2, that the people there also saw what happened, that they also recognized what had happened before them. And also in chapter 3, that the people in the temple, when they saw the lame man standing, and when they heard the message of Peter and John, they perceived what was going on before them, and they recognized what they were witnessing. We can almost get inside the heads of the Jewish leaders here. They must have been thinking, dead men have no power to heal. A dead man has no more ability to transform a life than a rock has the ability to milk a cow. It's just not possible, right? The dead have no power, no authority. The, uh, the astonishing witness of Peter and John and the undeniable fact of the lame man standing beside them are proof that Jesus is transforming lives, that Jesus is alive. And this evidence calls for a response. It's just like when someone comes up to you and says, knock, knock. You can't just leave it empty, can you? you? You have to respond in some way. And Luke's readers might at this point be tempted to assume what response they're going to give. See, the phrase, what shall we do, is the same phrase that we see the people in Acts 2 at Pentecost saying to the disciples. Back there in Acts 2, they say, brothers, what shall we do? Here. 
the leaders turn to one another and say, what shall we do? There's a link there. Look at Acts 2, verses 36 and 37. Let all the house of Israel therefore know, says Peter, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? The same body of evidence in chapter 2. The same body of evidence in chapter 3. Where back there it is met with repentance and faith. Here now in chapter 4 is meant is met with rejection by the leaders. Let's look at their rejection. Verse 17. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That response makes no sense. It makes no sense in light of who these leaders are supposed to be. So they're leaders of Israel, God's special covenant people. They're supposed to encourage the praise and worship of God, not suppress it. See, their response would be like the lame man saying to Peter, no thanks, I just want your cash. It'd be crazy, right? I mean, a man who has lived from, from birth as lame would want to stand given the opportunity. Israel's leaders should want to God to be praised. They should want the people to know that freedom is available. So it poses this question. If Jesus proves himself to be God and saviour of Israel, why would the Israelites reject him? We can turn that into a question for us today. If Jesus is the loving God in the flesh, then why would people today reject him? Well, they, both of those questions share the same answer. It's an answer that's as old as Adam. See, we all want to be in control. We all want that seat Jesus exposes the truth behind the Jewish leader's rejection of him. Back in Luke 20, he says, In the hearing of all the people, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at feasts. They are those who devour widows' houses and for a pretense, make long prayers. Here's some verses from Luke 21 to 8. 
listen to these through the filter of Acts 4, verses, 12, uh, verses 13 to 22. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and they said to him, tell us by what authority you do these things or who is it that gave you this authority? He answered them, I also will ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it with one another saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered, they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Rings a bell. It's got a familiarity to it, doesn't it? So the Jewish rulers are not concerned with truth. They're only concerned with how the mainstream will perceive them. The Jewish leaders are not concerned with genuine praise and worship of God. The leaders are concerned with people's praise and opinion of them. Because as Jesus' status increases, their status will decrease. Because they're in opposition to Jesus. They understand that Jesus' authority challenges their own. And in our passage the leaders recognize that they can't cover this up. Word is getting out. So they attempt instead to keep control by suppressing the truth. It's like they're, again, thinking, look, this news cycle in Jerusalem goes pretty quick. A lame man walking might get a bit of airtime for a while, but pretty soon he'll get off the front cover. We'll be back on it. It's crazy. It's though their nation is there in spiritual bondage. But the truth is the Israelite leaders like it that way. You know, it's easy for us to stand at a distance of 2,000 years and throw stones at the Jewish leaders. But truth be told, I can see a bit of the Jewish leaders in me. Can you see a bit of the Jewish leaders and their response to Jesus in you? See, we all want to be our own little kings and queens, running around ruling our own little kingdoms. We crave authority. We crave honor. We crave the servitude of other people and stuff. But in craving these things, we actually become enslaved to them. So when Jesus, the true, true king, comes and says, give up your stuff, accept me instead, we can respond in either of two ways. Either we respond like an addict, getting asked to give up their stuff, or we can respond like a slave, being offered freedom. So the addict and the slave are both enslaved, aren't they? They're both under bondage. 
But naturally, they respond to their thought of freedom in very different by different ways. The addict thinks in terms of what they will lose. The slave thinks in terms of what they will gain. The addict will flatly reject the offer. We might look for a middle ground where they can still keep a bit of their stuff. The freed slave knows that there is no middle ground. An addict might look to deny or suppress the truth of their condition. The freed slave can't help but speak of what has happened to them. Whether we are like addicts, still wanting to be our own little kings and queens, or like freed slaves, we're enjoying the freedom under the true king. Our response will be evident in how we live our lives. We can see by the the response of the apostles here that they are freed slaves. They have an unwavering commitment to their Lord Jesus. Verse 19 starts, But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. We see there that the witness of Peter and John is legit. They see the intimidation of the surrounding heavyweights for what it is, just threats of men. And they can do this now because they can see their lives from God's perspective. They say, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to him, I'll leave that for you to decide. But as for us, we can't help but to speak. See, an illegitimate witness would crumble in the face of such intimidation. And in the past, Jesus' followers did crumble, didn't they? When the heat surrounded Jesus, his followers shrunk back. They fled from the scene. But the Holy Spirit has changed this. He has change Jesus' followers. We'll see after our passage in Acts 4, verse 29 to 31. Peter and John, after being released, go back to the other believers. It says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand, to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus and when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God in boldness in the face of intimidation they respond with an unwavering Jesus Christ 
it divides. I wonder what will be your response to Jesus today. You're going to have one. I wonder what it will be. Will you stand with him? Or will you stand opposed to him? Some hearing this message today will try to ignore or cover up. They will reject the message, the truth of Jesus. They've heard it, but it's not for them. If this is you, I urge you, reconsider. Reconsider the claims of Jesus Christ. A way you could do this is to to grab a Bible, go to the Gospel of Mark and just read through it. As you do, pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would just open your eyes to the truth about Jesus. If you don't feel like reading, maybe you could chat to someone you know loves Jesus, a friend, a family member. There might be some others here. And you've realised that you've been looking for the middle ground when it comes to Jesus. You recognise the truth, but you really don't want to give up the stuff. Friends, there is no middle ground. You're either with him or you're against him. Is your life worth holding on to to get that which you crave? Is your stuff worth giving your life for? This is you, I would encourage you. Put down your crowns. Repent. Give it up. Give Jesus the place of authority in your life. Maybe you don't fall into either of those categories. Maybe you are witness of Jesus. You're a freed slave. Well, I trust that this is encouraging for you this morning. I'd also encourage you to respond as well to this message. Recommit to being a witness of Jesus. Spend time as I pray and as we sing another song to just lay it out before him again. Thank him for setting you free. And commit again afresh to him. I'd also encourage you to gather with other Christians and support one another as you witness together. You can do this in really practical ways. As people are seeking to witness to their family members and their friends who don't yet know Christ, Go along with them in that. Go along with prayer. Go to, go to the events they're going to. Invite your Christian brothers and sisters to the events that you're going to with your non-Christian friends. Invite them over for meals. If you're having someone around who doesn't know Jesus, invite someone who does. I'd also encourage you to pray. 
as we heard in the kids' talk. Pray for opportunities to share your faith with others. Pray for boldness. And look, have your eyes open for these opportunities. And when they come, share. Share with people what God has done, what you've seen and what you've heard. But also share with us in your small groups, in your church community. Share what God has been doing in you and through you. Let's encourage one another together to be faithful witnesses of Jesus. Let me pray. Our loving Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are the good, loving God who has sought us out. That you have done what we cannot do. That you have come and given your life so that we might be set free. My Father, I thank you for that. I pray that that will be a real encouragement to everyone who has claimed that freedom this morning. May that spur us on, Lord, as we read through this book of Acts to see what you have been doing through your early church Lord, may we desire that. May we pray that you would transform us into your witnesses. Lord, for those who have heard this, maybe they're denying, they might say, this is not truth at all. Or maybe, maybe they've heard it and, and your spirit has opened their eyes to see that they've been looking for middle ground. Father, I pray that your spirit's power will be opening eyes, revealing truth through your word and through your people, that there is salvation in no other name but in the name of Jesus. I pray this for his glory. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.